0: Why shouldn't this industry be noble? So we have have the dirt world. They are heroes. However, they have this problem. We have this massive workforce problem. We can't automate our way out of this, out technology, we can't offshore. (laughs) There's no way out of this thing. We have to figure this damn thing out. And we're essential. A truck driver's worth nothing without a road. A doctor's worth nothing without clean water. A teacher's worth nothing without a school, for example. We have this problem. BuildWit is the guide. We're just the guide because we're just the one in the middle between everybody, seeing all these contractors. We're just the one that that can unite everybody and get everybody on the same damn team and present the solution, which I believe starts with just developing our existing workforce. Yes. Just basic needs, making sure a current workforce feels like they're part of a team. They're they're trusted. They're safe with where they're at, making sure that they're able to grow and, and ultimately become all that they can be as human beings the whole concept of we can't make things anymore because it's too expensive it's like well germany does it
1: germans like i gotta give them credit they think through stuff differently we'd go to their drilling jobs in the u.s there'd be like five to eight guys doing that job there'd be three there Mm -hmm. that's it they use attachments differently or like even rebar cages on drilled shafts their rebar cages are all welded they have crush rings that you can Rig them with just one chain because of it. On the smaller shafts, on the large ones, you can't. But anyways, it's incredible the the amount of work that they can get done with you know as few of people as they do. I think that's how they can afford to manufacture. They've thought through the process so well.
0: I think a lot of people just accept whatever is happening. That that's just the production that we can achieve. But you go to you go to somewhere like Europe. They just use the right machine for the right job.
1: Being busy in construction is often equated with efficiency. We worked 60 hours this week, we were efficient. No, you would have been efficient if you worked 40 hours this week and got the same amount of work done. Mm -hmm.
0: This is what I'm afraid of though, is this like death spiral of companies struggling for workforce and their backlogs are just growing right now, which is usually a great thing. Like if you have a good, healthy backlog, that's great. But it's getting to the point now where it's like the backlogs are really starting to stack up there's just more and more pressure being applied. They definitely can't afford to involve people now and slow production down. They definitely can't afford to train. They definitely can't afford to do the things that they need to do to get out of the problem that everybody's facing. <laughs> and and there's only more pressure, more pressure, more pressure. It's like yeah. where does it where does it start to go in a better direction?
2: I did 3 semesters and then it was 6 months off, and then you did semester on semester off. So the first one I did construction heavy highway stuff for six months just just doing little miscellaneous stuff i got to see the operation which was cool did that liked it but i was like i like that i'm in the industry but i don't know if that's something that i want to particularly do either fast forward my next one i was like let me try the design aspect of civil so i worked for i came home and i worked for a local engineer learned how to do you know a lot of drafting and autocad and that type of stuff third and last one I came back home, part-time with that engineer again, and part-time with the family company. And I lasted three of the six months, and then after that I was like, I'm done. I didn't want to do it anymore, just bored. It just wasn't for me. I want to be out doing things. And you also have a different sense of freedom being in the family business. I guess I'm lucky for that, because a lot of people don't have the opportunity, but I was like, I I have it, I want to take advantage of it. Does Chick-fil-A give you a lot of training?
3: Yes, they are impeccable on training. Um, just hours and hours and hours of videos and there's there's some that are required but they always had like if you were hired on to work the front line Mm -hmm. or you were hired on to work the drive through yeah you could take classes on your own to learn the kitchen if you ever wanted to work the kitchen Mm. and so it was nice that you could just if you had some free time you could spend a couple hours watching videos and you were now qualified to do another job really and, yeah. and they really encouraged that, and I just love the personality of Chick-fil-A that everybody kind of encouraged each other mm-hmm. to uplift each other. And so we would all train together, we would take our breaks and train, and things. It was just an, it was an odd experience that everybody was so driven for the same goal, to be better at their job. That's pretty cool. But th- what they've done,
0: you can't really dispute no. what they've done. No. Because they've figured it out. Yeah. I just have such a problem with, we need kids to go to tech schools. One, the higher education system has crushed most tech schools. I mean, look at what happened to a lot of, the, even the big ones over the past 10 years. They got crushed yeah. and they're no longer there. Two, the ones that are there, they're filled They're filled up. Right. You can't just go walk in, go to tech school anymore. It doesn't work that way. I'm painting with a very broad brush right now, but if you wanna to go to tech school for civil construction,
3: Good luck. Why do we need this semester system in a tech school? Like, I'm the biggest idiot when it comes to electricity. I have no idea how it works. Like, I, I could wire up answer. my uh, mm-hmm. headlights on my truck if yeah. I had to. Yeah. I have no idea. So I would love to come and take a couple classes on electric engineering or something like that. But, oh, no, I have to sign up for a whole, Mm-mm. you know, degree almost. All of the Europeans, every
0: machine is modified. I'll be... We met him when we were oh, at, at Balma. Yeah, yeah. He had color-changing LEDs in his grader. He had a badass sound system in his grader. It was all tinted. The whole interior was custom to whatever he wanted. I mean, you spend the amount of time on it. That's what that's what Zeppelin said. Yeah. Was like, oh, we do this all the time because the companies understand that the operators they basically live in these machines. Yeah. So if they make them nicer, they make them exactly what the operator wants. Happier operator, better productivity, better product, more money. And here- Go figure. Here, we just run open cabs and
1: say, these guys.
0: Yes. You go to California, and you'll see open cab 51s. Yeah. 22-year-old kids with ski goggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running open cab 51s so they don't get blasted in the face by dust. Yeah. Ski goggles. Brilliant idea that ConExpo's had. They're creating something called the Community Zone. And it is a place at the show for everybody to come together and talk. That's the value of Expo. That everybody says, it's an equipment show. Anybody can buy equipment. It's the people that make the industry. So you need the tools, of course. But that's not what makes the industry the industry. That's not what makes the industry special at the end of the day. It's the people. Yeah, the equipment got me excited. It still gets me excited. But you get to know the people in this world. And you're just like, I don't want to go anywhere else. And you go see how the rest of society is. And you're just like... <clears throat> I don't like this. Take me back to the logging operation in South Carolina. Like, That's a lot more pure than hanging out at this fancy restaurant in the Gulch in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's an area for the people of the show. There's going to be performances, talks, whatever it is. There'll be food, beer. I don't know what they have planned specifically. So Dave and I will be speaking Tuesday from one to two. We're going to be talking for a little bit. We're going to be answering questions and then
4: we're just going to be hanging out. One time we were grinding some piles that the uh, contractor had cleared and there was some bit off of a drilling machine and we sent it through that grinder. It tore up both mill bearings. You just got to watch stuff like that. There are safety precautions you can take, but sometimes you're just not going to catch something. Yeah, We we run uh, shears to where you're going to shear up all that material and find any contaminants or anything. We used to not do that, but now we are doing that on everything. It's better to do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a safety
0: precaution. That's fascinating.
4: So it's a it'll be a shear on an
0: excavator, like giant scissors. Yes,
4: if it's tree tops, you don't have to worry about that. And lots of times you're not having to use that except on like stumps unless if, if you have like just some gnarly tree that you can't mark it You just shear it up to where you can Mm. fit it all in there efficiently and it just reduces vibrations and different things.
0: If I were to go do college again, I would do construction management 10 out of 10 times. No question about it. Go get CM, go work every summer at a construction company, potentially work during the school year. You're set. You're set. If you work every year while you're in school for CM, you get out, you will have, you can go work at any company you want. CM is in such great demand. So if you want to get into leadership into management, yeah. If you want to go to college, great. Go to college, get a CM degree, work. Don't just get a CM degree. It's worthless on its own. You have to pair it with work. Another key change within our industry now is that the past generations were more rural, they were either growing up on farms, growing up around work. They'd been around that their entire lives now that's going away, we, again, have to solve this this workforce challenge somehow. We have to draw people into our industry that have never been on a job site before. So before, we used to have an entry level position for somebody that has held a shovel before in other applications potentially, but they've held a shovel before. They know what they're doing. But now we don't have that. Now we're putting people that are totally green to even working into our companies. And we've eliminated the entry level positions. Double problem. We've, we've had this criticism of we'll put, we'll put a video of how to use a broom, how to use a sledge, how to dig with a shovel properly on the training platform. And they'll ask, who the hell needs to know how to use a sledgehammer? The whole next generation needs to know how to use a sledgehammer because no one's taught them. They've never had to use one.
2: If my kids wanted to go to college, I'm fine with that. If they still want to go, decide to go back. But, you know, at this point, they, they enjoy the trades. They've seen that what's worked well for me. One is a uh, union electrician. And the other one is doing concrete at the moment with one of his local contractors. That'll teach you, quick. yeah. Oh, yeah, but he's he's earning good money, and he's not hundred percent sure what he wants to do. But he's got work every day, and I think he's he might decide he doesn't do it concrete and go to school, which I'm fine with. Sure, but he appreciates appreciates the money, appreciates the. I I appreciate the work ethic it teaches the kids sure. more than anything. It's like. I have to get up. I have to be responsible. I, I mean, I'm 20, 21. I got to show up because if I don't show up, it disappoints those folks that I'm supposed to work for. It's a really good learning process in so many ways, not just financially, but I think it's teaching the kids work ethic, which yeah, they need these days. I
0: think work ethic is learned and taught. It's not just something that you have or don't have day one. I don't, I don't believe that. Agreed. Construction has been always been like for profit. It's a, it's a business just like any other things, but I think the, the part of taking care of people and really investing into people and doing good with what you do is lost. I don't know when we lost it. I don't know how, but it's just evident to me. Okay. We know that it's a, it's a rough environment to work in stereotypically. This gets people riled up a little bit. How can I take the whole foods model, whole foods, you know, Locally sources and allows uh, decision making to be made at the local store and treat their people well and give them good benefits that are actually usable to them. How can you take that and apply that to construction? A lot of Hawaii historically is agricultural. Business used to be sugarcane, pineapple crops that don't exist there today mm-hmm. because other places in the world are far more economical than Hawaii is today. When the farmers farmed the land, they had to control the water. And in this particular valley, They built these berms along the river to prevent their fields from flooding. But what that does is it basically wrecks the environment within Mm. that little valley. So they were paying for Goodfellow to come in and essentially restore that valley, removing that entire berm, building out areas to plant native species in, basically undoing everything the farmers had done. Yeah. To make that land in 10 to 20 years look like what it looked like back in the day. It's not just cool work in a cool place, but it's also impactful. And it looks like just a bunch of earth moving for the sake of development. But no, it's like pressing the restart button on the environment.
5: I'm not going to tackle the women in construction problem right now, but I think it has a lot to do with the company. Some companies can pull it off and are willing to pull it off. Some, Some aren't. I do think that if you're genuine. Um, with all of your employees, you'll find a way to work it out. Like I used to work for a company, I worked a bazillion hours a week at a kid and I went in to quit and they offered me part-time and I never in a million years thought that was possible. And the owner even said, well, We've never offered this to anybody. My boss is like, you own the company, you can do whatever you want. You know, I never took advantage of it. I worked my butt off and um, but it took me working my butt off to, to get to that point. Uh, but it starts with the ownership of the company. And that is extremely hard to adjust. And you're 100 percent right. We want women. We want these people to work in here, but we're not going to really do anything about it. We're still going to work a 15 hour shift. You know, one day they'll the job will be next to their their child care services. But three months down the road, it's going to be an hour and a half drive. And as an industry, we have to adapt. And it starts with the owners of the company, in my personal opinion.
6: Ever since George W. Bush did the no child left behind garbage, going into a trade instead of going to college, there's been this this push. You are a loser. You are a stinking loser if you don't go to college uh, because, hey, Uh, you got to go. There's no child left. We're not going to leave anybody behind. You know, it's all, uh, whatever. If a student wants to enter the dirt world into the trades, uh, you are not a loser. Attitude, work ethic, and a teachable spirit. If you're hungry to learn, first one there, last one to leave, you give 100% all day. If you want to be the next guy that's posted on our posters around the state and on all our marketing and stuff. You've got to have the big three.
0: I've been fortunate enough to work with a guy called Rich DeVinny, former SEAL in recruiting. He was in the highest level of recruiting. And they would wash people out of the program. It still had 50% attrition. And they needed a way to figure out how to explain it because not only to the people they were washing out, but to the their bosses that were saying, hey, you're 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 washing out too many. So their skills and attributes skills are uh you know being an excavator operator attributes are there or they're not i don't know if this fits perfectly into his framework but i view those more as attributes not skills anybody can have those three things i shared this video that went around the internet Mm -hmm. of one of your foremen
7: yeah yeah cuba man he's the man
0: he was handing out lunch or like twenty dollar bills to his crew to get food or whatever it was yeah then one
7: of the guys was filming it. It looked sincere. It looked legit. I shared that. Yeah, it, no, it was, it was very genuine on the side of the road next to a project. Tough, mucky, dirty job. And his guys had done a really good job for him. He goes, you know what? Here's what you like. So the coolest part about that, yeah, you saw the video and he was handing out, for, you know, he gave everybody a little bit of cash. It yeah. It was his own money, too. You know, It wasn't like he came to me or anybody else and got money. But he also gave them snacks and some other things yeah. that he knew his crew well enough. I think there were to, some tobacco products. There yeah. were some. <laughs> <laughs> he knew his crew well enough to know what they liked, Yeah, you know, vice or not, what, yeah, what, sure. what, what, what they would appreciate. Yeah. So I think that was the coolest part about the video for me was not just that Cuba was recognizing his people, but he knew how they wanted to be recognized. He knew his crew well enough to say thank you in a way that they would appreciate. Big picture for us as contractors and people out there. In this trade, we've got to get to them in school and get them. You know, um, again, this was for my son. He's in middle school, eighth grade, and had to come and it's uh, plan for college and career readiness. So, give me with the counselor and all this. There's nothing about a trade or a career in here. Sure. get him to college, and something that's got to change, you know. And I'm not saying that there's a bad thing about college. That I don't believe in college, but at the same time, uh, somehow everybody's been steered that you don't want to do anything blue collar. You don't want to do anything with your hands. Um, and it's bad to go out there and have to do physical labor or work and get dirty. Mm -hmm. That's bad. Um, hell, when I grew up in as a kid, it was a badge of honor. If your old man worked 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. Now, if your dad and work more than 30 and aren't to everything, that's bad. You know? And
8: I was delivering pizzas, bro. To make ends meet for my family. And then I was doing construction with my buddy up in Nashville. I would drive from South Haven, Mississippi, early, meet up with him, work all day, sleep in his attic, work all day Thursday, sleep in the attic, work all day Friday, drive back, see my wife and kids, and then go deliver pizzas until one in the morning. And then I would stay there for an extra hour to clean up the kitchen. And man, I was at one point the most highly decorated E5 in the SEAL teams. And now I'm. Cleaning out clogged up drains at a pizza place. And it's like, I'm doing that because I got to make money for my family, man. There are people that will stay in hostile, toxic work environments. It's a way for them to provide for their family. And now they might be working for you and they've never seen a good boss. When they're hesitant to believe you and trust you and build a relationship with you, that's okay. It's your job as a leader to break down those barriers and to build that relationship.
9: One argument I had with a guy that I respect just about more than anybody else in the in the entire industry. I thought he didn't get me. My thing was listen, everybody needs to wear eye protection. And his thing was you have no idea what it's like out here every day. His his thing was people like me dictating to people like him and his and his crews these rules and these regs that were blanket rules and regs that didn't take into into account or into consideration kind of like the life that they live every day. What the issue was, was people from the the office, we'll say, we'll put that in air quotes, were dictating policy and then saying that those that didn't follow that policy should be punished, right? Rather than saying, listen, what's the actual risk of the task? There's now 13 key leaders from that company. You know the company. They don't even have a safety director. All of their field leaders, from the most senior field leader to the crew level, take care of the safety. And if you ask them what PPE do they need, They'll tell you based upon the task
10: you know if you're doing dot work and you're paving a highway and you go and not saying i'm going to exaggerate a little bit right but you go like a foot off right that road's still going to go people are still going to be driving on it you'll be able to have a chance probably even correct that a little bit like the tolerances are just not quite the same Mm -hmm. i was like oh wow that that is so true because you can't pave a runway a foot off if you do people's lives are potentially in danger because there's giant planes landing on that, right? Yeah. If it's an inch off or an inch higher than it should be, also an issue when it comes to, you know, plane instrumentation and and landing and just all of that. And then just the sheer force that those, you know, you have 737 or 747, you know, even worse landing on one of those um, airstrips, uh, as it were, like the repeated force of that, like, yeah, you better do a really good job.